Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff. God's blessings to you all. And we have a wonderful special treat for you today. My good friend, Robert Hutton. Hey, has, Deacon. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. You're, uh, you're standing in as my sidekick today. Well, well, Tom couldn't be here, but I'll try to, uh, to, to keep up with uh, his good presence. I'm sure you'll do a fine job. Joining us is a, a good friend of yours and a good friend of the church, and that is Cardinal Justin Regali, Archbishop of Philadelphia. Your Eminence, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. It's good to be with you. Well, you know, when we spoke to you about joining us in the cafe, we, we asked what topic you might want to speak about. And I think with little hesitation, Robert tells me that you talked about divine mercy. So obviously divine mercy is something that's very important to you. In fact, a few years back, I think you wrote a book called Show Us Your Mercy and Love, 30 Reflections on Life in Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful little book. And I thought maybe today we'd spend a little time taking some excerpts from that book and maybe talking about the the topic of divine mercy. Sure. I'm delighted. Mercy is something important. Yes, you, you, you said for me, but it's so important for the church. Actually, it's important for everyone because divine mercy is actually God's love in the face of our need, in the face of our sins, in the face of our weaknesses. So this is something that has an impact on all of us in the church. Everyone needs mercy. And what's so wonderful about God's mercy is that he makes it available through Jesus Christ. Well, I know John Paul II said that mercy was God's greatest attribute. A lot of people, you talk to them and they think, well, it must be God's omnipotence. You know, he's all-powerful. It must be his omniscience. He's all-knowing. But really, when it gets down to it, the best thing about God is he's forgiving. He's merciful. That's very well put. Yes, the best thing about God is that he is merciful. And... Actually, mercy is an expression of his power because mercy is the forgiveness of sins. And it's a pretty serious offense to offend God. And only God can forgive that. So only God can create the mountains. Only God can form the earth. But only God can forgive something done to himself, can forgive sins. And so mercy is the supreme expression of God's power. But it also, it reveals who God is. It reveals the, the love and the kindness of God. And if we want to know what is God like, we look at Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And what does Jesus tell us about God? He tells us that he is, that he is loving, that he is forgiving. And, and he says to us, Come to me, all you who are burdened and I will refresh you. So when we think of the sins in our lives that have been forgiven by God, that's, that's mighty, mighty powerful. It tells us who, who is God? God is a loving Father who manifests this love by sending his son Jesus into the world. And Jesus manifests this love by forgiving our sins through his blood on the cross, shed on the cross. So this devotion to the divine mercy that we have in our church. How did it come about? Well, to understand divine mercy, the best way to understand it is to go back to to the Gospel of St. John. 
Let me read just a short passage here. It's just a few lines, but it's what took place on that first Easter evening. St. John says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, and whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Now, we heard the words of Jesus. It's, it's Easter evening. It's the first time the whole group has been with Jesus after the event of the crucifixion. In this psychological moment, now it's just hours later, it's just hours after all this has happened, Peter has denied Jesus. The other apostles ran away. They, they showed they were, they were cowards. So now they're face to face with Jesus for the first time as a group. And what's the first thing he says to them? Is it, uh, thanks a lot, you, uh, <laughs> to upbraid them, to, to let them know, you know, thanks a lot for abandoning me. No, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't act the way we do. The first thing Jesus says is, peace be with you. And then not only does he say it once, he says it twice. Peace be with you. And then, and this is very important from the Holy Scriptures, this, what Jesus is doing at this moment, he's taking this moment, the day of the resurrection, to give a gift to his apostles and to the whole church. And for all the centuries, it's going to be known as the Easter gift of the risen Lord. And so he gives these men, whom he knows have sinned, and who themselves know that they've sinned, the power to forgive other people's sins. This is the hour of mercy. This is the concept of mercy. It is God. It is God who in his great love for his people begins with the apostles, shows them mercy, and at the very moment when they are expecting to be blamed, he offers them peace and the forgiveness that provokes peace in their hearts. Your Eminence and Deacon Jeff, I hear all the time people say, well, why do I need to go to a priest for confession? Why don't I just go, if I did something wrong, I'll just go talk to God directly. I mean, this sounds like the beginning of the sacrament of confession or, or in, in the sacred scriptures. This is exactly what it is. Jesus, on this occasion, he forgives the apostles sin directly. But then, look what he does. And this is his plan. This is the way he wants things done. Jesus chooses the apostles. He could have done it directly. He didn't have to give them that power, but he wanted to. This was his plan for the church. In other words, it's the principle of the incarnation. We have to go back and remember what happened on Calvary. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was the expiation for the sins of the whole world. It was he and he alone who through his humanity, hanging on the cross, in his body, in his flesh, he used his flesh in order 
to be the instrument of the redemption of the world. When he died, he, he, gave, he gave himself up. He sacrificed his body. The body became the instrument of our salvation. But now, on Easter Sunday, the humanity of his apostles, just as the humanity of Jesus was the instrument for the redemption of the world, now the humanity of the apostles is the instrument for transmitting the forgiveness of sins. Only Jesus can forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. But God, through Jesus, says, whose sins you shall forgive are forgiven them, whose sins you shall retain. So Jesus uses their humanity now and for all ages to forgive sins in the church, just as he used his own humanity. Hmm. We've all heard that expression, Catholic guilt, and you think that on that, uh, that evening, these men were certainly guilty, right? And Jesus could have very well built on that guilt and made them feel even worse. Instead, they find the peace that you're talking about, and they get a peek into that, that mercy. That mercy. Yes. Jesus, he substituted guilt and the shame that comes with guilt. First of all, he took away the sins. And not only did he take away the sins... He removed the shame. And what did he give them in in return? Peace. So what does Jesus offer to the world now? Through the church, he offers the forgiveness of sin. And what do we say to the people of God? Come, understand, read the scriptures. Understand what Jesus is doing. Understand what, what happened on that first Easter evening and how Jesus left this wonderful treasure to his church to be able have sins forgiven through the humanity now of the apostles and now through their successors and the priests of the church. Jesus wants this to be continued. This is his plan. It all comes from Jesus, who is the one mediator with the Father. He's the one redeemer of the world. But the redemption that he won on Calvary, which is the forgiveness of sins, is now applied to individual souls, individual hearts, through the sacrament of penance, which was instituted by Jesus. You say it so beautifully in your book. You say, some people look upon the sacrament of penance as a burden, or at least a duty. It is rather a great gift of God's mercy. And what is mercy? It is the ocean of God's love in the face of human frailty, human misery, human sin. Hmm. Beautiful. Well, Your Eminence, we are going to come back in just a moment and continue this conversation about divine mercy. But before we do that, I'd like to remind everyone listening that we have a wonderful website to visit, www.thecatholiccafe.com. You can hear this program and every other program we've ever recorded on that website. You can also find some great resources to, uh, to explore more about the Catholic Church and what she teaches and believes. Also, I'd love to hear from you. I'd like you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we'll be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. It is not easy to love with a deep love, which lies in the authentic gift of self. This love can only be learned by penetrating the mystery of God's love. Looking at Him, being one with His fatherly heart, we are able to look with new eyes at our brothers and sisters with an attitude of unselfishness and solidarity of generosity and forgiveness. 
all this is mercy. These profound words, spoken by Pope John Paul II, encompass the message of divine mercy entrusted to Sister Faustina Kowalska. In Poland in the 1930s, St. Faustina received a message of mercy for the entire world from Jesus Christ himself. In the midst of turmoil after the First World War and the ominous cloud of another war on the horizon, a humble little nun encountered Christ in a series of deep and mysterious mystical experiences. She wrote, In the evening, when I was in my cell, I became aware of the Lord Jesus clothed in a white garment. From the opening of the garment at the breast, there came forth two large rays, one red and the other pale. Christ told St. Faustina, The two rays denote blood and water. The pale ray stands for the water, which makes souls righteous. The red ray stands for the blood, which is the life of souls. Christ commanded St. Faustina to convey his message of mercy to the world. He desired that she make known the infinite love he has for all people. My daughter, I demand that you devote all your free moments to writing about my goodness and mercy. It is your office and your assignment throughout your life to continue to make known to souls the great mercy I have for them and to exhort them to trust in my bottomless mercy. The message of St. Faustina calls us back to the church and her sacraments. It calls us to a deeper conversion of heart and a preparation for the final judgment and our own judgment before Christ on the day of our death. Through Faustina, Christ reminds us, He who refuses to pass through the door of my mercy must pass through the door of my justice. Christ told her that after this time of mercy, the day of justice will come and he urges us to have recourse to his infinite mercy. St. Faustina's life and writings remind us to come and wash ourselves in Christ's mercy. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back once again to the Catholic Cafe. We are, of course, joined with our tremendous guest here, Cardinal Justin Regali. Your Eminence, thank you so much for being with us. Once again, it's a pleasure to be with you. Of course, uh, Robert, this is an interesting discussion about divine mercy. Which I need as a lawyer, a Catholic lawyer, Deacon Jeff. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. We all need that mercy. You know, I think that we really need to just shift focus for a second. And so many people today understand that when you hear the words divine mercy... Almost immediately, you associate Sister Faustina Kowalska, who is St. Faustina. Obviously, she's a saint of the 20th century, and I know this is divine mercy is not a 20th century concept that was, that was constructed. Well, actually, Faustina was this very holy nun that lived in, in the 20th century, and uh, she had a, a mission in life. She was chosen by God to spread a message the message of God's mercy. But she didn't make up the message, and God didn't reveal it only at that time. The message that she was chosen to spread was the message that had been revealed by God from the opening pages of the Old Testament. So the message of mercy is something that goes all the way back. It penetrates the Bible. It's the message of the sacred scriptures. 
And it is basically that God's love incites him, incites him to forgive. That's what mercy is. And we have some beautiful expressions in the Old Testament. For example, in Psalm 51, we have this magnificent prayer of King David. Who was King David? The king of Israel. He was someone loved by God who did magnificent things. But King David also did some terrible things. This terrible sin of adultery, which led him to commit murder. Finally, King David realizes what he's done and asks for God's pardon. We have those beautiful words in Psalm 51 that have been the inspiration for generations of people and forever. The church uses this as a prayer. Have mercy on me, God, in your goodness and in your abundant compassion. Blot out my offense. And this is, we have to admit offenses. That's part of being human, being Christian. And then King David goes on to say, he says, wash away all my guilt from my sin. Cleanse me, for I know my offense. My sin is always before me. The sin persecuted him. It it tormented him. And you know, I think so many of our listeners today, they're tormented by sin. You know, we live in a world that is so difficult to live in. It's so difficult to remain on the right side of the moral fence. Well, that's why, number one, we must be conscious of our sins, and we must also ask for God's wonderful pardon. And you mention in your book, again, a, a wonderful phrase. You say that mercy is stronger than sin. No matter what we do, our sin, for some of our listeners, I may be in the situation where they feel like they can't see God's mercy. They're so overwhelmed by sin, right? They're surrounded by sin, and they continue to live in that that state of sin, and they figure that's all there is, and it's hard to find that mercy. Where do we find comfort? Well, people people are oppressed by the consequences of sin. Once, once they're into sin, uh, all kinds of sins, sin in the family, sin outside the family, they're, they're oppressed by this. Sin is terrible. Sin has all kinds of effects. But look at the power of God's love. It can actually blot away. That's what King David says. He says, in your abundant compassion, blot out my offense. In other words, let your love, let your love touch my life, touch the sins of my life. And when your love touches my life, then that's called mercy. And what is the effect of mercy? It's to blot out, to blot out the sins Colonel Regali, what would you say to the person? I know that I've come across a lot of people that say, you know, I'm struggling with a sin, whatever the sin is. Maybe it's lust, maybe it's... And over and over and over, they do something and they're sorry and they ask for God's forgiveness and then it happens again. And they get to a point where they almost despair. It's like, I can't, you know, this has been going on for years and I'm really sorry, but I I keep on coming short. What kind of message of hope would you, you give to that person? We have to remember what Peter said to Jesus. Uh, Peter said, How often shall I forgive my brother when he sins? Shall I forgive him seven times? And Peter was thinking that that was pretty magnanimous. Seven times. That's a pretty good number to start with. And Jesus replies, Not seven times, but 70 times seven. There's human weaknesses. There's all kinds of tendencies to sin. There's all kinds of, of addictions. But right now... But is so important is the words of Jesus, 
not seven times, but 70 times seven. There is no limit to God's mercy. Why? Because there's no limit to his love. Well, what does, what does divine mercy call us to do? In other words, once we become conscious of this, uh, of this mercy, I mean, are we done at that point? Uh, or is this really a, a call to action? I mean, in your book, you talk about uh, you have a reflection called readiness to ask forgiveness, readiness to forgive. Mm. And mercy requires mercy. What is that all about? Well, what does mercy require us to do? Let's go back for just a moment to the the 20th chapter of St. John's Gospel, the evening of the resurrection. When Jesus meets his sinful apostles, he's ready to show them mercy, which he does. Then he gives the apostles the power to forgive sins, and he tells them whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, whose sins you retain are retained. And doing that, he indicates to the world what his plan is for all generations. In other words, Jesus gives his power, and he wants it used, and he wants people to come and receive forgiveness, to receive it there where he offers it. So Jesus is making an offer, a very important offer. He's offering forgiveness, but he's specifying the conditions. He's saying, this is the way to do it. This is, this is what I have in mind. I'm going to use, I used my humanity to redeem you. Now I want this, this mercy to pass through the sacrament of penance in my church. I want you to recognize it. This is my plan. I want to show how important humanity is. And I wanted to use it. When I redeemed the world on Calvary, I needed my body. Now I need the body of my church, and I need the humanity of my priests. And I want you to use it. And then the average everyday person, in terms of forgiving others, how hypocritical can it be if we're so willing to accept God's forgiveness, God's mercy, but we're not willing to offer that mercy? In fact, many people obviously will pray that beautiful prayer that Jesus taught us and not realize that there is a potential for a condemnation in that prayer when we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What are we asking there? We're, we're asking exactly that, to forgive us the way we forgive. So if we, if we aren't willing to forgive, then we're creating a, a condemnation for ourselves. But the point is, we have to be ready to forgive. And that's forgiveness is the bottom line of Christianity because Christianity is all about God's love forgiving us, but it translates itself into the fact that we then have to forgive others. And, you know, it really makes it a lot easier because there are situations when it's not easy in the family to forgive and all this, but once we begin to realize, hey, I've been forgiven. Hey, God has has blotted out my sin. He's willing to take it away. Hey, I have, to, I have to forgive others. There's no way around it. If I've been forgiven, then I have to forgive. You know, the, the image that's associated with uh, uh, divine mercy is this beautiful image of Christ. And at the bottom of this image are the words in many different languages, Jesus, I trust in you. What is that trust all about? Well, Jesus has made a promise. He's made a promise to forgive our sins. He, 
He's invited us in our weaknesses, in our misery, in our limitations to come to him. And he says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will refresh you. So the trust is that we say, Jesus, I trust in you. I believe that what you say is true. I believe I can receive new life from you. I believe I can be forgiven. I believe that I can rise from a, a sinful way. I believe. And then Jesus says, do you believe? Do you really believe? And we say, Jesus, I trust in you. Yeah. In other words, we accept the word of Jesus that there is that there is life after sin. There's life after sin. And that life after sin is because of mercy and love. Jesus, I trust in you. I accept. Sin is not the end. There's something greater. It's, it's, it's mercy because mercy is God's love and there's nothing greater than God's love. Just one final thought, Your Eminence. Just how important is the message of divine mercy to us, to our, to our church, to our world, to our country? Well, if, if there is no mercy, then there's, there's no survival. So mercy equals forgiveness. And since sin has touched the whole world and touched all of us, the, our rescue from sin is to open our hearts to God's mercy. Only he can forgive. Only he can blot out. Only he can raise us up. And he offers us this wonderful gift in his forgiveness, and he makes it available in the sacrament of penance. It's his plan that for the triumph of mercy in the church, for the forgiveness of the world, for and the bottom line is also peace, because mercy brings peace to hearts, peace to homes, peace to families, peace to the world. Mercy brings peace. You, again, say it so beautifully in your book. You say, it is impossible to overemphasize God's mercy in the world. How important the message of mercy is to the people of our time. How much does the world, how much do you and I need the mercy of God? So that's beautiful. Um, Your Eminence, thank you so much. Uh, for sure. joining us uh, and, and hopefully enlightening uh, our listeners about uh, the concept of divine mercy and the fact that we really need God's mercy to, to survive, not only in this world, but in the next. And if I could just add one last word, remember, dear friends, that this is what the Bible is all about. It is the story of God's love, which in c- confrontation with our weakness is called mercy. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Cardinal Justin Regali, Archbishop of Philadelphia. It's been an, an honor and a pleasure. And, of course, you've made the luxurious corner booth even more luxurious by your presence and your welcome to join us anytime. I ask uh, if uh, uh, your indulgence here, uh, Your Eminence, if you might offer a blessing to our listeners. Surely. The Lord be with you. And also with you. And may God, who is all merciful, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you and your families today and always. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.